Welcome back into the Fast Lane on this Thursday afternoon. We have previewed the Hokies. We'll preview a little bit more of them tomorrow with David Cunningham once again. We previewed the Flames yesterday with Asia Reds, John Manson. And now let's preview the Who's with Greg Badia from the Daily Progress. He is the beat writer for them. Uh, Greg, how are you doing? And uh, is this your favorite time of the year with fall camp kicking up? Yeah, you know, you know, Trey, it's always always an interesting time of year because you kind of get a feel for what what things could look like come, come fall for the team you cover. You know, you get to see what the offense is, what the defense is. Uh, you get to see who, who who looks like they can contribute in terms of the personnel. So it's always an interesting time of year. I know I know some reporters loathe training camp and just want to get to the games. I, I do enjoy parts of it and aspects of it in terms of in terms of getting a feel for the team because. Uh, you can really see the players in a little bit of a relaxed environment after practices uh, and talk to them about what, what's coming this fall. Uh, and typically, you know, both the coaches and players are willing to share a little bit. Uh, and it, it's a good time of year. It, 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 it takes the edge off a little bit uh, as you wait for that anticipation of that first, that first Saturday of the fall. Yeah, the first Saturday, of course, in Nashville taking on Tennessee. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, this is Virginia is in a very unique place because it's kind of like you know their seasons in in two two different kind of pathways. It's kind of the the human element, the human uh, mm-hmm. spirit aspect of it. With you know obviously the tragedy of how last season was cut short, and then obviously there's the the actual like X's and O's football side of things. Both very two different things. How is the team handled? the end of last season and kind of this off season and developed now into into you know really this is their first true football action since what happened yeah Trey it's that's a really good point and I think first and foremost there's an appreciation to be back playing again I've heard it I heard it a little bit in spring from players and then obviously uh, last week at ACC kickoff and and even yesterday uh, after after the Cavaliers' first preseason practice was that they, they're going to try to honor the legacy by the, the of their former teammates Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry, who were killed in that tragic shooting on campus uh, last November. Uh, by the way they practice and the way they come together uh, and the way they act as a team, uh, it, it's really it's really an interesting. Uh, dichotomy when you look at that aspect compared to uh, the football part because uh, there is that, that that sense of what do you have to do in season win loss to to feel like you, you've properly honored uh, those three fallen teammates and I think Mike Hollins uh, who survived that shooting put it best is you know you you can't really look at the, the wins losses you you have to look at how you approach each day and I think that's that that's provided motivation for this training camp and 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 will provide motivation when it kind of gets into the dog days of August, whether that's a week from now, week and a half from now, uh, and and yet you feel like you should be getting closer to the season. It's really really interesting. He 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 had said the way they can do it in August is is by practicing really really hard, not wasting any reps, not wasting the opportunity that that their former fallen teammates. Uh, do not have right. They're never going to play football again. Those three because they lost their lives, and, and they want to make sure the current team uh, that they that they may that they don't take it for granted. And they don't take the opportunity 
for, for granted and don't waste it. So I think that's that side of it in, in terms of how it relates to football. Uh, with the football side, you know, they were, they were picked last in the ACC, but uh, after yesterday's practice, Antonio Clary, their, their veteran safety, he kind of put it to me like, you know, we, we've got more to play for than that. Uh, they, they referring to, to the November tragedy uh, in that they're they're going to play inspired. They don't care about the preseason poll. They don't care about the expectations because uh, they have more internally than most people have externally. Uh, so that's kind of where they're at when you look at when you look at that that that, that aspect of of the season, both personally and then on the field. So before we again talk about kind of the X's and O's, because the you know you're looking at the start of the schedule and it, it it's quite daunting from from an emotional side. I know they're going to be coming off a game against a presumably top ten, top fifteen Tennessee team. Uh, effectively, it's a road game. They're playing in Nashville, uh, mm-hmm. even though it's quote unquote neutral site. They host JMU as their home opener, which from a, a football side of view might not be you know the most ideal thing taking on. The, the Sun Belt, not the Sun Belt champs from last year. Uh, but in terms of the emotional side of things, how important will be that that home opener? I think the only kind of comparison you can make from a football side is from when, you know, Virginia Tech hosted ECU those those many years ago coming off the Virginia Tech tragedy. And, you know, the, the game really wasn't the focus that day. It was just the, the nature of kind of healing in uh, that euphoric moment of of just coming together, yeah, I, I think it'll be extremely important to the players, the coaches, the families, right? I'm sure Virginia will do a, a first class job honoring uh, those three players, whether it's pregame, halftime. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there'll be. Uh, I think there's going to be patches on the jerseys, of course, and, and decals on the helmets too. Uh, but 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 my guess, my my, my guess is, you know, it's. Uh, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a reason to to to, to come motivated, come excited, uh, and, and play in honor. But it, it, of those three, but of course it's going to be emotional. I think the week one's going to be emotional. Uh, he, Mike Hollins, he he was asked uh, when he when he spoke to us last week about what he'll feel like when he returns to the field the, the first game of the year against Tennessee and running out of the tunnel after going through what he's gone through, surviving a shooting, the surgeries afterward, all the rehab, and, of course, re- returning to football action since then on the practice field. Uh, but he, he said, you know, he, he doesn't even know what the emotions will be because when he played in a spring game, uh, you know, <laughs> an inter-squad scrimmage with, you know, not, not too many people watching, the stands not filled at all, uh, he said that hit him like, like a ton of rocks. Uh, was the quote. Uh, so it's it, it's it's fascinating. I, I think it's going to uh, be incredibly emotional for for anybody within the program. Not the first, not just the first week, the second week too, and uh, throughout the season. I'm sure there's going to be things that remind them uh, of their of their former teammates. Like I think about uh, later in the year, they go to Miami, uh, which is Deshaun Perry's home hometown, home area. Uh, you know, so I, I think there's going to be certain things throughout the season that that make this team uh, feel and be emotional and and try to remember uh, what what happened during the tragedy. At Greg Medea on Twitter, Greg Medea from the Daily Progress, talking Virginia Cavaliers, and you've been able to, you know, obviously he was talked to him, and then obviously now you've been able to see him on the practice field. What is it like, just the fact that Mike Hollins is back on a football field and is going to play this year? 
it's incredible. I mean, it, it's it, it really, I, you know, I've covered a couple of different programs in, in my career, you know, started covering West Virginia, covered James Madison too. Uh, I've never seen anything, anything like this, you know, defying doctor's orders. I think when he, he walked us through everything in the spring, he, if I'm recalling correctly, he had said, you know, doctors thought it'd be months before he'd be, even be able to put his socks on. Uh, but because he was in such great shape, uh, you know, as a football player, uh, he, 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 he was able to, to, to really de- defy the diagnosis. Uh, and and it's, it's, been, it's been incredible to watch. He eased in during the spring, worked his way up to full contact, and he's been 100% cleared ever since. And uh, he said he had to work to get his weight back up. He'd lost about, you know, understandably about 20, 25 pounds after, after the shooting, but he's got his weight back up. Uh, close to what it was before. He's at 204 pounds now. Was it at 208 pounds uh, last fall? Uh, so he, he he's feeling really really good. And I think that the nice thing for for Hollins is and, and for that running back group is I don't think they're going to ask one guy to be the to be the workhorse running back. Uh, they're not going to ask Hollins to do that uh, because they have Kobe Pace, a transfer in from Clemson. Uh, who had a really nice 2021 season when Tony Elliott was the offensive was in his last year as the offensive coordinator with the Tigers. Uh, they also have a veteran, Paris Jones, who decided to come back for another season with the Hoos. So you've got three older veteran experienced runners where you, you don't have to rely on one guy. Uh, so anything anything Hollins does, anything that group does will be uh, probably to the benefit that they have a couple of different backs they can roll in and out. Moving to the the football side of things, and and you probably can argue this is kind of the the most the hardest side to talk about, given you know everything going on with this team, and especially you know pre what happened last year, it wasn't like UVA was playing that well at football. But year two under Tony Elliott, they were picked last in the ACC, and you you look at this schedule, it's it's not that easy, you know. I we talked about the the opening non conference game against Tennessee, and and uh, obviously they'll take on Maryland, and then obviously, uh, you know, you want to talk about the two quote unquote winnable, uh, you know, or maybe the ones that UVA will be favored in games in the non con JMU and William and Mary. Uh, those are both games that are are going to be very difficult for this team. So where would you assess kind of the expectations for this team? in year two under Tony Elliott where, you know, from an on-the-field side, it, it, it might, you know, be a struggle. Yeah, I think the one thing people do keep forgetting, Trey, is the defense should be pretty good, right? The defense will be able to keep them in some games. What John Radzinski, the defensive coordinator who, who joined Tony Elliott's staff uh, after being at Air Force, uh, and then serving as the defensive coordinator there for the Falcons, he helped them really turn it around with largely the same group of personnel that they had the year before when they were giving up, you know, 30 plus points per game. I think they were giving up 31.8 points per game in 2021. He took largely the same group and got them uh, got them to break down that total to about 24 points per game last season. That defense was good. They averaged three sacks per game. You know, that's that's a top 20 rate in the country, uh, and they bring back their entire defensive line. And they, it's not just like it's juniors and seniors. They've got, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth-year guys on that D-line, and they're pretty deep. Uh, they've got Cam Butler, 
uh, who'll start at one end. He's played in 50 games in his career. He started 40. Chico Bennett, the defensive end on the other side, was kind of a breakout star last year, had seven sacks in 10 games, was a two-time All-ACC defensive lineman of the week. On the interiors, Jameer Carter and Aaron Famui. And I think that's that's the strength of this team is their defensive line and that defense. Uh, because even in the secondary, they bring back all three starting safeties. They landed a, a key transfer in, in former Clemson cornerback Malcolm Green, a former star at Highland Springs in Richmond. Uh, he came back, and, and he'll probably start at one of the corner spots that was left behind by, by Central Cypress, who transferred to Florida State, Anthony Johnson, who's now in the NFL. Uh, at linebacker, they do lose Nick Jackson, but they have players that have played to that spot, too, and Josh Ahern and James Jackson. Um, so I, I, I think they're going to be really good on defense and that their defense will give them a chance to win games. Now, Trey, the problem is, for, for as many answers as they think they probably have on defense, they have probably more questions on offense, and that's the issue. Will they score enough uh, to, to win games, especially against some of these teams with high-powered offenses, right? Tennessee led the country in points per game last year. Maryland, with their quarterback back, Pulia Tungavailoa and Mike Loxley, they like to run up and down the field. In the ACC, they're going to see a ton of good quarterbacks. Uh, with, with Drake May at, at North Carolina, Riley Leonard at Duke. Uh, Louisville's going to run an up-tempo offense with Jeff Brahman as the head coach. To me, if the defense can, can, can do what they did last year and, and maybe even better it, they just got to get a little bit more production out of that offense, which averaged only 17 points per game last year and, and really was, was, was a weak unit. Yeah, you, you talk about the offense, and this comes back to like Tony Elliott. And I, I don't want to. I, I want to say this is like a very unfair comparison from a fan side because the talent on these two teams are so different. But just because that Clemson this year has finally left kind of the Tony Elliott model of offense by bringing in Garrett Riley, and obviously they've had a struggle even after Tony Elliott left Clemson. If Clemson's offense kind of improves and gets back to a level that they saw under, obviously, Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, which, to be fair, that helps a lot getting that level of quarterback play, <laughs> and, and UVA still struggles with Tony Elliott, and, and this might just be a fan thing. I'm not going to say Carla Williams is like, Gonna kind of look at this and kind of judge where Tony Elliott is as a coach, but fa- fans will look at this. Is, is that kind of going to be something that you know fans look at, like, hey, like the offense that Tony Elliott didn't, you know, is running clearly just does not seem to be working in college football anymore. It's a fair thought, but I think you know you, you can look even around the ACC, and there are some teams that run a more balanced pro-style attack, and, and it works, right? I think of Pittsburgh and what they've been able to do under Pat Narduzzi and, uh, you know, Frank Signetti Jr. is the offensive coordinator there, uh, and, and they're they're not spread at all around the field. They, they like to run the football, control the clock at times. They've had really good backs, including Israel Abaconda, who was, who was excellent for them the last few seasons. I, I think about other teams, too, and I know it's different personnel, uh, but even, you know, you think about Alabama and Georgia, right? What, what can those teams do? I know they can spread it out at times, but they can also pound pound the football with the best of them. Uh, so to me, I, I don't think it's it's something where the, 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 the ground at town, you know, they're running the wide zone offense in the run game. I don't think it's something where that's phased out. I just think they need to execute better. It was a hard, It was a hard transition moving from what they did previously in the air raid offense 
uh, under Bronco Mendenhall and Robert and I and, and letting the quarterback play free and scramble and throw the ball all over the yard. I think it, it was a, a very, very difficult adjustment, to say the least. And then you throw on top of the fact that they had to retool their offensive line, right? They had to rebuild that offensive line from the ground up, and they've got to do that again this year because it's, there are some new faces there and a new offensive line coach. Uh, so so that's, that's part of the issue that has to get corrected, I think, before you can judge the offense is, will a second year in a system, uh, will an offensive line coach with a little bit more uh, of a like background to, to that of Tony Elliott and offensive coordinator Des Kitchings and Terry Heffernan, who, who worked previously at Stanford with David Shaw and, and in the NFL uh, with the Buffalo Bills, uh, can, can that marry up and, and look a little cleaner on the offensive line? You touched on that offensive line depth, and that was one of your kind of keys for this training camp that you wrote for the Daily Progress was trying to figure out the offensive line. Where would you assess the offensive line and kind of where it is with this new offensive line coach? Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, Trey, is you, you, you got to look at this group and, and know throughout August they're going to be shuffled around a little bit until Heffernan finds the five that, that fit well together. He said they're, they're very heavy, lean competition-wise over you know consistency and continuity in August uh, because he's trying to find the five that play, uh, that, that will play. That said, I don't see how there's any way that the transfers they brought in are, are here at Virginia to, 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 to ride the pine and sit on the bench. I think about, you know, Uganda Nana, transfer from Houston, who was in camp for the spring, he, he, he was the first team left guard at the start of spring and carried that all the way through. My guess is he's in a, he's put him in a position. He's put himself in a position to potentially win a job. Jimmy Christ has come in from Penn State, uh, didn't play, didn't start there, uh, but, but has some, some high-level experience from what he's done in practice. My guess is he, he's not making a move in order to sit on the bench. Same goes with, with Brian Stevens, a very experienced player at the FCS level, played at the non-scholarship league, the Pioneer League at Dayton, uh, and, and he'll probably get a look on the interior. They have more depth than they did a season ago, and, and so, so Tony Elliott had said, had said on Wednesday after practice that because they have more depth, they can, they can get more reps this August, and they should be able to get a better evaluation, have a better feel for what it looks like uh, come September 2nd against Tennessee. Uh, I think Mikhail Boley is, is likely to start still. Uh, he was a freshman last year, gave them some some, some decent play uh, for being a first-year player. Uh, my guess is he, he'll be in the mix, too. Uh, so so it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. But what I'm really curious about is, is how, Heffernan, how Heffernan's background, the line coach, fits with what Kitchings and Elliott wants to do. Maybe perhaps it's a little bit better than, than Garrett Touge's background. Uh, Touge did a lot of good for UVA in building up some O-lines during the Mendenhall era, but I think his air raid background didn't quite fit uh, with what Kitchings and, and Elliott wanted to do a season ago. Well, Greg, we're going to take a, a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Tony Musket, the new starting quarterback for UVA, plus uh, touch on some pass catchers in the defense. So uh, are you are you okay to uh, stick around for, for a break? Happy to do it. Awesome. Thanks. That's Greg Medeo from The Daily Progress. We'll talk more who's when we're back here on the Fast Lane on CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg, a part of the Virginia Talk Radio Network. 
Welcome back into the Fast Lane one final time this Thursday afternoon. We are joined by the Daily Progress's Greg Medea. He covers the Virginia Cavaliers, and we're talking more about this Who's team coming into the 2023 season and a new quarterback. Uh, Brennan Armstrong is now at NC State, and Tony Musket is coming in. The transfer from Monmouth is kind of the clear starter. Uh, he was there at ECC Media Days. Uh, Greg, what are your expectations for Musket? Obviously, uh, he ran a similar system at Monmouth and uh, is now entering as QB1. Yeah, big big jump for Tony Musket, right? Going from the FCS level in Monmouth to, to the Power Five and the ACC at UVA. But from, 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 from all accounts, at least from the, the folks at Virginia, he's, he's ready for the jump and everything that comes with it. Uh, and and, and that, that stems from playing in some bigger venues, uh, right? The last time he played a game, took a game snap at Monmouth. Uh, you know, he's playing in a stadium that, that holds only 4,200 people. Uh, when he takes the field September 2nd at Nissan Stadium, he'll be in a stadium that holds 69,000-plus. Uh, so it's going to be quite quite a difference in, in venue and, and surroundings that Musket finds himself in. Uh, but, but you know, he, he said that's no big deal. He said, yeah, the fans can't come down and impact the play, and, and he knows how to handle it. He, he said there were some good environments he played in on the road at Monmouth. He said notably North Carolina A&T for their homecoming had 20,000-plus in the seats and, uh, and such. But I, I think really what, what Virginia's hoping for is uh, they can get a quarterback who, who not necessarily has to go win them games with, with ridiculous throws down the field or, or in tight, tight windows. They want a quarterback that knows the offense, can distribute the football and manage games and, and reduce the number of turnovers, right? The big problem last year for that offense was was turnovers. Brennan Armstrong threw, what, 12 interceptions uh, a season ago. That's not good compared to only seven touchdowns. He had one of the, the, the 10 worst completion percentages in all the FBS. They need both of those, the touchdown-interception ratio and – and the completion percentage to improve. And then they feel like Musket's that guy, given his background in, in the system, like you said, uh, that was very similar at Monmouth to, to what Virginia is going to do uh, this fall. Looking at, at the pass catching, uh, lots of transfers both in and out. They they have to, to re- replace a lot of production from the last two years. And this was uh, a group, especially last season, looked at as a, uh, a, a strength for this team. Uh, what are your expectations for for the pass catchers? I know you talked about the depth of the running back room, but how how is the the who's looking on the outside? Yeah, I, I think it starts with Malachi Fields returning uh, as a sophomore. He was banged up last year. They thought he could be in the mix, but hurt his foot uh, and missed most of last season. Returned for the pit game and caught a touchdown. I think he he's probably uh, their number one option on the outside. Uh, Demique Starling is, is probably fighting for some playing time along uh, along uh, with, with J.R. Wilson, uh, another younger guy. Uh, they'll, they'll probably be in the mix in the slot. You'll probably see the Northwestern transfer Malik Washington. It's a, it's a totally new, new group, uh, Trey. It's, it's a totally different feel, right? Gone uh, to Nebraska via the transfer portal, Billy Kemp, off to the NFL, Dontavian Wicks and Keaton Thompson, and, of course, uh, Virginia lost uh, Lavelle Davis Jr. in that in that tragic shooting last November, so it's it's a totally remade group, and they've got a lot to prove. Uh, they've got a lot to prove this this coming August, and I think the good thing is they they've had a lot of time in the spring, the summer, uh, to work with Tony Musket, 
but it's still a major question going into the year, right? It's different throwing on air and, and running and, and playing well in seven-on-seven seven with no coaches around uh, compared to, to, to what it'll be like uh, when Tennessee or James Madison or Maryland's on the other side in September. Uh, so that, that's a group that's totally unproven, unquestioned. And I think that's one of the reasons why they brought in Washington from Northwestern. Uh, he, was, he was a good player in the Big Ten, reliable, steady, uh, high number of receptions type of player. Uh, at least he's somebody who's done it. Um, you know, on against really good competition. And quickly before we get to the defense, Greg, anyone on the offense that's kind of flying on the radar that uh, could could pop up and be, have a a really special year? I I I I would think just from that offensive line, I think I think the guy who's, who's probably not known yet is, is Uganda Nana, uh, the transfer from Houston. Didn't play a ton for the Cougars. Uh, but they're going to need some some guys to really, really step up, and, and maybe he's a guy. If you're looking for a skill player, I think it's probably it, it's probably it's probably Fields, Malachi Fields, the young receiver, Monticello product, uh, and, and Virginia's hoping for for big things from him. Moving to the defense, and and you again, this schedule. It, looking at it, you're you're facing you know Joe Milton in the Tennessee offense, Talia Tungvalu in Maryland. Obviously, the return of Brendan Armstrong with NC State, and then obviously maybe even the best quarterback in the country, Drake May. And you have Tyler Van Dyke in Miami. Like they're going to face a lot of great quarterbacks this year. How important is it for this defensive line to tr- you know? And, and you you said this is the strength of this team. But to truly perform and and even maybe even have to take a step forward this season. Yeah, they they've got to get to the opposing quarterback, especially when it's those premier quarterbacks you're talking about. It's funny I I'd written a story uh, last week or earlier this week. Sorry, the days are kind of running together here. But uh, I'd written a story earlier this week about just how many of these good quarterbacks they're going to play and some of the things that that I had heard from coaches. Uh, you know, and, and at Virginia was you know their defensive line can can mask, you know, mask some some problems if they have them in the secondary against those guys because they can get home and get to the quarterback. Uh, I think you know you're going to see some things they can do some different things. Uh, that's kind of next level and the next step in John Rodzinski's defense. Maybe add some some twists, some stunts, that kind of deal because they're a little older, a little more advanced. Rodzinski was saying because that group is is so veteran. He's had to come more prepared for, for questions he, he hasn't expected about the defense from them uh, than, than, than in the past. He said he's never returned a defensive line that's, that's this old, this experienced. That said, they need those guys to produce big time. They're going to rely on Chico Bennett to get to the quarterback. They, they, they think Ben Smiley, uh, who, who was likely to come off the bench, can have a can have a big year after transitioning from defensive tackle to defensive end. Uh, so, that, so that group... There's high expectations for that group, and really, that's 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 the key to their defense. If that group can get home, rush the passer, uh, they'll probably be feeling pretty good about themselves. Moving to the linebacker core, and uh, you you wrote a little bit about uh, James Jackson being a player that really needs to be the leader of this defense. Obviously, uh, you know this is a theme throughout the team: a lot of turnover in terms of the transfer portal, which you see with the year two head coach, but. Going to the linebacker position, how how important will be James Jackson, and who do you think is going to be playing alongside him? Yeah, I think it's 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 imperative. James Jackson has has a good camp, and from from some of the players I've talked to, is 
he's had no problem kind of asserting himself as, as someone who they can trust and they can rely on. I think the leaders of the defense reside on that defensive line, but you still need somebody to, to kind of command the, command the huddle when they get to huddle. And then that has to be one of the linebackers. And I think it's going to be James Jackson. Uh, 60 tackles last year, played alongside Nick Jackson for a lot of the season, learned from him. I think he's got some of the same characteristics, maybe a little bit different type of player. Uh, but from, from a leadership standpoint, maybe some of the same characteristics as, as Nick Jackson, which, which is a good thing uh, for, for the Cavaliers. And playing alongside him, uh, my guess is you'll see a couple of backers, uh, probably Josh Ahern. He's a veteran. Uh, maybe Stevie Bracey, a younger guy. Trey McDonald, another younger guy. Uh, so, so that's what I would expect. The, the linebackers coach, Clint Cinnamon, told me uh, he'd be okay with rotating four Probably no more than that, though. So, so my guess is you'll see the two primary, Jackson and then either Ahern or Bracey, um, and then Trey McDonald. Moving to the, the secondary now, obviously you, when you lose two former All-ACC corners, one of which went to the NFL, the other in Cyprus is now at Florida State, and you also have the fact that, you know, he's going to be play, you know in the conference – where where is the turnover been at DB and how how is the team kind of kind of adjusting to it and it goes back again to the schedule like week one these new corners are going to be very tested against an offense that whole goal is to exploit you know the secondary for for sure uh, the safety there they 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 feel fine right it's Antonio Clary Cohen King Jonas Sanker um, uh, uh, of course. Uh, so those three are all back at safety. So they they probably feel okay there. I think at corner is, is the question that you, you brought up. And uh, they brought in transfers to replace Cypress and Jackson. Malcolm Green is, is the top option, uh, former corner at Clemson. Tavon Kyle was in, in, in Charlottesville for spring practice. He had come in from Iowa State. Uh, and they also have Sam Westfall, a transfer from SMU. My guess is Malcolm Green will start at one of those two corner spots, and then whoever wins the job between Kyle and Green will start at the other. They'll probably need all three because it's a position that's going to require some more some more athletes, some other guys that could be in the mix. Elijah Gaines comes to mind. Maybe Will Simpkins at some point during the season uh, it factors in. Uh, but my guess is it's, it's those transfers' job to, to fight it out and see see who wins starting starting roles. Well, Greg Greg Medea, the Daily Progress, he covers all things UVA for them. Uh, I want you to appreciate for staying on for the back half of the show today. Uh, before we let you go and wrap up the show, uh, how can uh, you know mainly UVA fans, but all of our listeners connect with you? You can find my stories, dailyprogress.com, and then find me on Twitter, if, if everybody's still calling it that, at Greg Medea. Yeah, X, Twitter, what I still call it Twitter at this point. Uh, but <laughs> I I, uh, I appreciate you, you hopping on uh, to join me and, and preview the Wahoos. Yeah, no problem, Trey. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you very much. All right, and that will do it for today in the Fast Lane. Tomorrow, it is Friday. We'll have some vote of confidence. We'll also talk to David Cunningham from Tech Sideline, preview the, preview the defensive side for the Hokies. Thank you so much for listening today on the Fast Lane.